0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pleasant View Baptist Church podcast. Today, we're kicking off a new series entitled God Wants... And we'll be filling in the blanks over the next couple weeks um, with each episode. So today is God Wants Our Convictions, and we're going to be in Colossians 2, verses 1 through 8. So with that being said, here's Pastor Jeff.
1: Colossians 2. 1-8. through God's Word says, For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and as for many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Pay attention to that. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we love You. We praise You. God, we come before You this morning. And Lord, what a time of worship we've had to be able to see someone identify with Christ through baptism. And Lord, now as we've worshiped in song, and God, as we come to Your Word, we pray, Lord, that You would uh, just move in this place freely. God, that you would speak to people, Lord, today, Father, someone who's lost, God, that they would trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior before it's everlasting too late. Lord, for those of us who are saved, Lord, that you might use this time to grow us in our relationship. Lord, help us to be more effective for you this year than we ever have been. Lord, help us to be ready and willing to serve you in ways maybe we never have before uh, this year. Lord, may 2022 be a blessed year. And God, may you speak Through your word now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're starting a new series this morning, and if you saw that online, it's called God Wants, and it's dot, 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 because we're going to fill that in over the coming weeks. I'm not exactly sure, just to be honest with you, as I've been studying this, God's been showing me some other things, so I'm not exactly sure how many weeks at this moment to say, okay, we're going to stay this for three or four weeks, and then we'll move on to something else. So we're starting a new series, God Wants. So when we look into the Word of God, there are some things when we read God's Word that we should be able to definitively say, this is what God wants. Now, those of you who are in my Sunday night class, we're studying the will of God. These two things are very much akin because God's will is what God wants. However, we're going to take a a, a little deeper dive here Uh, on some things uh, specifically that God wants from us, okay? And so, as we're saying this, as we're looking at this, we're looking from the perspective of growing as disciples, okay? So our growth, our our maturity as Christians is being challenged in this series. Uh, Here's the other thing that I want to say before we really dig into this, is if you have not yet come to a place where you... Know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've not come to that place where you realize that, listen, uh, nothing else I could ever do would get me to heaven, would make me right with God, uh, would put me in a relationship with God. Uh, If you've never gotten to that place, and let me help you understand something this morning. This is God's most prominent desire, is the salvation of your soul. There is no doubt. Listen, you can't make the Scripture add up any other way. You can't can't dig into this and see this any other way. Uh, The exclusive way that God looks at this is His desire is for all people to be saved. I don't apologize for preaching a whosoever will may come gospel because Jesus Christ has given us a whosoever will may come gospel. Okay? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Paul speaking about God and what God uh, wants for mankind. He says, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It is God's will. We, we could also uh, go to 2 Peter 3.9 and what does it say? God's not slack concerning his promises some men count slackness but his long suffering to usward not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So what does the Bible say? God says come. The very last invitation in God's word is come. It's let him that's thirsty come and it says the spirit And the bride say, "Come." So the Church of the Living God says this morning, "Come to Jesus Christ. Come and get a drink from this fountain that never shall run dry." Amen. Uh, We wants people to come to the understanding of their need for salvation. So it's obvious God wants us to be saved. But what does God want beyond that? What is God's desire for you as a believer? For me as a believer? Uh, Not just positionally as a pastor, but as just a Christian believer, child of God. What is it God wants from me? And so, one of the things we need to understand from Scripture, and we're going to dig into this a little bit this morning from Colossians chapter 2, is God wants our convictions. God wants our convictions. Somebody might say, what does that really mean, Brother Jeff, when you say God wants our convictions? Well, if you let Webster define it, Webster's going to define it, as the definition of convictions being firmly held beliefs or opinions. we'll throw opinions out, because when it comes down to it, the Bible is black on white paper. God has written His Word down for our learning, for our benefit, for our growth. Listen, it is the measure that we go against. It is the measure by which we'll be judged by one day, is the Word of God. The Word of God will stand as a witness against us or for us, On Judgment Day. This is not an opinion. This is not man's opinion. When we look at the Word of God, we're not looking at something that that Paul came up with, that Peter came up with, that James came up with, John came up with, uh, Moses came up with. Uh, We're not looking at something that they came up with. We're looking at a message that God gave to them directly. The Bible says that it's God-breathed. That it's the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. We can trust God's truth because He revealed it and it's been written down for our benefit. So when we think about convictions, what are we talking about? We're talking about there are certain things that you and I should believe as children of God. There are things that we should be firm on. Our sanctification, us becoming more like Christ and less like the world is obviously God's will for our life and we should have conviction about whether we're growing toward Christ or whether the world is pulling us away from Christ okay that's just one example but there are things that we should believe we should believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven like we just learned about in our last series I mean he is the way to the exclusion of all other ways are you following me we don't. We don't embrace other uh, theologies. We don't br- embrace other uh, religions. We embrace Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. We should never make. We should never make an exception to that. Well, you've got your truth. No, the truth is the truth, and it's the only truth that matters. So we'll have conviction about that. You know, we, we could go through and, 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 and pull out more and more things that we'd say, well, God would want us to have conviction about that. But that's part of our growth. It's part of us uh, being, one of the reasons we hold people accountable inside of our community of believers is because there are some things people should not do. It's not okay for a child of God to do some of these things and we hold people accountable to help them stay walking with Jesus. What did Paul say? He said you need to walk in Christ. You need to be in Christ. You need to allow Christ to be Lord of your life. He needs to get the final say. a matter of fact, he, he needs to get the only say as it relates to our life. So I want to look at a few things here this morning, just three quick points, dig into this a little bit, help you understand God wants our convictions, but how do we make sure that we maintain our convictions when we're constantly being challenged out there in the world on these convictions? So the first thing is, our convictions can become challenged. Our our convictions can become challenged in a number of ways. The world is just one of those. Hello? Hello? I mean, you think about it. You think about what it's like out there and what the world believes versus what we believe as a community of faith, and you'll find out we're polar opposites. If you choose to live for Christ, the Bible says you're going to suffer persecution. Why? Because you are living uh, against the grain. You're in conflict with the world. You don't look like the world. You don't act like the world. You don't talk like the world. Are you following me? Let me tell you something. Sometimes, though, your convictions can be challenged by people who have religion and not relationship. Get inside the box. You need to see it this way. You need to see it that way. No, you need to see it the way that God word, God's Word has been revealed to us. On the other side of that is sometimes we, we, we embrace the, the things and, and, man, I tell you what... I. I, I <laughs> We embrace this, this statement. How many times? Well, well, my mama or my daddy or my granddaddy believe blah, 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 blah? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what mama, daddy, granddaddy, grandma, papa, whoever, whatever you call them, mama, whatever they are to you, it doesn't matter what they believed. If they were wrong, they might have been sincere, but they might have been sincerely wrong. So sometimes God will correct our own convictions that we've developed in places that were not rooted in His truth. Convictions may be challenged or can become challenged. Look at verses 7 and 8. Now we're, we're looking at this from a worldly perspective. We're trying to grow as Christians, as people who love Jesus. And so what does it say? Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. We're coming back to that. As you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Notice what Paul appeals to, though, in verse number 7. As you have been taught. I'll I'll give you an example real quick. As you have been taught. um, Johnny Hunt, at one of our uh, adult trips we went to, he speaks every year, and, and he was up preaching, and he got to preaching about the ills of alcohol in his message. And as he was talking about that, uh, he said, uh, you know, one of the things that he wanted to say was, he said, no one will ever be able to say that Johnny Hunt said it was okay to drink. He said, they'll never say that they were taught by me under my preaching that it was okay to have a drink. You know, some of these uh, progressive Christians have embraced social Alcohol, uh, it's okay to drink casually. That is, in fact, a lie. The Bible teaches about the deception of alcohol, how it destroys people's lives. Listen, it is obvious from the text in the scripture that we should have conviction about alcohol. You say, so why do you say that, Brother Jeff? Because Paul's appealing to something. I'm just giving you an example of something I've learned along the way of as you've been taught. There are certain things that you'll never be able to say. Brother Jeff taught us that. No. I preach the Bible. I preach the truth. I preach what God's Word says, not what my opinion is or what's popular out in culture today. Here's what Paul wanted by saying that. Paul could not be as sure of what someone else might come along and say, but what Paul did know is he knew the people that he had sent to them. He knew the people that he had sent to teach the truth. He knew how they had come to learn the truth. He knew how they received it, how they were aligning their lives to it. And so he's telling them, I know you've been taught right. Do not deviate from what you've been taught. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse Number two says, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. You want to help yourself and not have your uh, convictions challenged by the worldly mindset or by this so called cultural Christianity mindset that's out there. Let me tell you something. Be careful who you place yourself under the authority of. Who are you going to allow to preach to you? Who are you going to allow to teach you? Uh, What Bible plans are you going to read? What discipleship materials are you going to get underneath? Listen, you need to be careful and cautious about who becomes, y'all have heard me say this a number of times, your spiritual guide. I go to church at Pleasant View, but I also listen to this person, that person. That's great. It's okay to have other teachers that you embrace other than Brother Jeff. But let me tell you something. You need to examine their thought and their belief and their convictions. Uh, If they've got a website, you need to look at their statement of faith. You need to measure what they teach against the Word of God, not just listen and let it go into your heart without any filter either. Are you following me? You need to have conviction about who you're allowing to guide you on this journey. He, see, Paul knew this, that even people who claim to know Christ sometimes teach and preach things that do not align with the Word of God. Right? That was the danger. They they say they know Christ. They they may have been in the church a while, but maybe, maybe they have been spoiled. Maybe they have had something creep into their life, their convictions, that's not right. Think about this for a second. I mentioned cultural Christianity earlier. It's, It's this idea where we identify with Christ, but we live our lives in accordance with the pervasive culture. Now what's happening with that is this, in our country, is people are separating from the church... They're getting out of the church, they're not supporting the church, they're not attending church, they're they're not working in the church, and then when you call them and you say, uh, you know, how do you identify? They say, I'm not religious. Well, you're not religious, do you consider yourself? And they list off things, and they say, oh, I have Christian values. My Lord, if you've got Christian values and it can't carry you to the church house, you better get some conviction about that. Hello? Because that is one thing that God's asked for us in the Word, is for us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more as you see that day approaching. It is even more important today that we're in church than it was a hundred years ago. You say, well, I don't know about that. I'm just saying, look, the church should be gathered more. Some people are like, y'all got so much going on. Y'all over there uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday... Sunday, blah, 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 blah. Somebody said the other day, Said I just don't even know when we're supposed to do anything else. Me neither! i tell you what you are doing, though, when you're here. You're doing what matters. Guarantee you that. Amen? Here's the thing, though. We should not be cultural Christians. Our Christian faith, our convictions, should allow us to have influence over our culture. Not the other way around. Our culture should not be influencing our Christianity. Does that make sense? James chapter 4, verse 4 said, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So what, is, what does the Bible say? You say, well, now, Brother Jeff, I, I think we've got to run with this culture, and I think we've got to walk with this culture, and I think we've got to embrace this culture. No, we can walk with the culture. We can walk with it. We we can get out there and and share our light in the culture, in the darkness of the world. But we can't live like the world. Because the Bible says if we choose to do that, if we choose to walk hand in hand with the world, then we are an enemy of God. In other words, we're not effective for Christ if we're living like the world. Okay? Okay? So how do you guard? So if you've got convictions about how you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to be doing, how do you guard against having your convictions changed by uh, these ever-appearing challenges? Well, convictions develop through consistency. Convictions develop through consistency. If you look at verses 5 and 6, notice what is said there. For though I be absent in the flesh... Yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying, now I want you to pay attention to this, beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in Him. Just like you've received Christ, that's how you need to walk it out. You don't need to deviate from that conviction you had when you first came to know Christ and how you recognized that your life was was miserable without Him and that you were on a dead-end road headed for destruction without Him. Your life completely turned around and changed. How many people have had their walk with Christ spoiled after that initial faith experience, because here's what happens. A lot of times people get saved, they begin walking with Christ, and then something happens, and they no longer walk the way they should, live the way they should, do the things they should, and they blame it all on that thing, that event, that situation, or or that teaching, or or, or that encounter that they had. Something shipwrecks their faith. And what does the Bible tell us here? Paul said, if you're going to, be able to maintain this, you got to continue in the uh, steadfastness, in the consistency that we've seen so far out of you. Can't allow yourself to become complacent. Can't put your Christian walk on autopilot. Dangerous. Dangerous to stop being intentional in your walk with Christ. Look at the words that Paul uses here. He uses the word order, steadfastness, about walking in Christ. It's very interesting that he uses those words order, beholding your order, and your steadfastness, because if you look those words up, they both have a military connotation. Now what comes to my mind, besides pictures of war, because when I think of soldier boys and girls, men and women, what have you, fighting for our freedoms, I think of war. But the other image that comes to my mind when I think about, and both are appropriate because we're in a spiritual battle, right? I mean, don't deny that. If you, th- if you Go back to point one, your convictions can become challenged. You think the devil doesn't want to challenge your convictions? I mean, what did he say in verse 4? And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. What do you think that the devil's trying to lure you in with? You think he just throws blatant sin out there and says, go have, go have that, go do that? No, he entices you. He schemes you and scams you, according to Ephesians 6. It's called the wiles of the devil. He's constantly trying to trip us up. So Paul says, he says, I, I beheld your order and your steadfastness. It's interesting that those are military terms because the other picture I get besides war is this. Is, is men and women marching in order under the authority of a drill sergeant. Here they are. They're, they're walking together. They're marching together. Now what are they developing through these exercises? Skills? Obedience? Resolve? I mean, sometimes that drill sergeant presses you further than you wanted to go. Makes you do things in order to wear you down, so to speak, so that you can be built up. Spiritual exercise can become taxing at times. But you know what the Bible teaches us is that what ends up coming from our life when we have exercised our faith and we have walked this thing out the way that the Apostle Paul is teaching us today from Colossians 2 is we begin to see that fruit in our lives. Let me tell you something those exercises, those military m- m- maneuvers and movements are, are often routines that they go through. In other words, the folks that are in the military pretty much know what's coming. They know the expectation. Can we compare that to the Christian walk today? That God has given us insight into what is coming, but He's also shown us what we need to do as we move toward that approaching time. But not only that, that we know what is coming and we move toward that approaching time, but here's the thing, we have to have some type of spiritual routine to keep our convictions strong, to keep us focused, uh, to help us be able to combat the lies that are coming at us in our culture today. Are you following me? But here's what you can't do. You can't develop a routine for the sake of a routine. It has to be because there's a real relationship with with God through Christ that you want to exercise your faith inside of. So we get this order, this orderly marching. But then we also see that word steadfastness. And If you look it up, it, it, it speaks to the fact that there's a fortified position. There's a solid front. i tell you one way to keep your convictions up is to keep yourself accountable inside of a community of believers because if we all agree and are united on truth, then it's much harder for the enemy to come and snatch us away. The Bible's teaching us about steadfastness. About being immovable. About not being able to be shaken from the position we're in. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So God desires you and I to be unmoved by the shifting attitudes and values of the world. He wants us to know the truth And hold tight to the truth. You know, we we read in the Word that there was a time when there'd be a famine for the Word of God. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You need to have a storehouse in your heart so that you don't face a drought. So many people are struggling out there in their Christian walk. Their convictions have been changed and tainted because they didn't have a storehouse of the Word in their heart. The psalmist said, I hid Thy Word in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. See, the enemy will challenge your position. But you can maintain your position if you know and practice the truth. So convictions, they can become challenged. Convictions develop through consistency. But convictions determine our commitment to Christ. I just said that if you maintain your position, if you, you can maintain your position if you know and practice the truth. So convictions determine our commitment to Christ. Verse 7, look at what this says. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with Thanksgiving we read that verse earlier but I want to pay attention to the first part of this rooted and built up and established in the faith look at what Paul uses here he gives us the imagery of plant life roots deep into the soil and growing up to maturity rooted and built up right you now the Bible describes a righteous person a righteous person who doesn't follow the pathway of sinners, who doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. Psalms chapter 1. Psalms 1 and verse number 3, it says, That person, Psalms 1 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Who is that person? It's the person who has those godly convictions, who refuses to walk with sinners. Who, now, you say, well, walk with them, but live like them. We can go to them and minister to them, and we can share the gospel with them, and they can join us in our walk, but we can't, listen, we can't live like them. And I don't care how many preachers stand in pulpits and say you've got to be relevant to the culture. There's nothing more relevant than the fact that people are dying in sin headed for hell and God has given the only cure in Jesus Christ. There's nothing more relevant to what's going on out there. The world's a mess because they don't acknowledge Jesus. He's not their authority. He's not the one who has saved their souls. They're headed for destruction and they live in destruction. So are you condemning the world, Brother Jeff? The world's condemned already! I'm so sick and tired of hearing people. Well, y'all, y'all just hate people. And y'all, you don't love people the way you preach and talk. Goodness gracious, folks! Hell is real! Heaven is real. Jesus really came. He really lived. He really died. He really rose from the dead. And He is coming back again. He wants us to be found faithful to him. New Year's Eve, we looked at Luke chapter 12, where Jesus is talking about that faithful steward, steward, the one that, that Jesus, when he comes, he finds his, his servant doing what he was ordered to do. And we're going to get in more to commitment next week, but, but I want to just I want to for sake of conviction, look at this. Conviction determines our commitment. Paul says that if you're going to continue to live for Him, then you're going to grow up in Him in the faith. You're going to abound in this walk. But here's the thing. If the world can challenge and then change your convictions, then your actions are sure to follow. So if I have a conviction about something, I'm not going to embrace something, but the world teaches me that it's okay to dabble in this or that, guess what can happen? I can begin to embrace that worldly mindset. I can lose ground. That's what the old-timers, and we should still call, backsliding. I can backslide from Christ and find myself living as the world rather than representing the truth of what Christ has done in my life. You know what Paul's showing us here? He's showing showing us here that you'll be certain of the faith you have in Christ when you are totally committed to Christ. As I was studying this, I could see how our consistency... Consistency. You say, okay, Brother Jeff, what happens in that consistency? What do we ask from people when we're talking about consistency? We're talking about prayer. We're talking about the Word. We're talking about fellowship. We're talking about service. Listen, you're not being obedient to Christ if you only read your Bible and pray, although that's a good start. You need to add to your Bible reading and your prayer your faithfulness to the house of God. I've been reading in the Old Testament some here recently, and... They were talking about the temple of God and how they neglected the temple of God and how they had to come to God and repent for their uh, neglecting of the temple. They weren't taking care of the things that God had asked them to do. They weren't serving God in the ways He told them to serve. Listen, there's a problem when we neglect the house of God. So it's, it's Bible and prayer and fellowship and then service. You have to find your place of service. God has given you a gift. A spiritual gift. Every one of you has some type of spiritual gift. If you know Christ, you have a spiritual gift given to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're to exercise that gift. God wants to use that gift to uh, glorify Himself by reaching others with the gospel of Christ. He wants to do that by using you to help build the church up. All the gifts are given for the edification of the church so that we all grow up and mature in our faith. You serving inside your spiritual gift may challenge someone else to get out of the boat and serve God in their spiritual gift. But here's the thing. As I was thinking about consistency, the order, the steadfastness that we talked about Earlier, a lot of that may be around getting the truth. Like, I need to have my prayer time daily. I need to have my daily Bible reading. And so I go to church on Sunday, and I go to church on Wednesday, and I'm getting more truth, and I'm being poured into, and I'm getting all this knowledge. But what are you supposed to do with knowledge? Apply it! I mean, if you just know a bunch of facts, that's useless. But when the truth comes into your life, And you apply that truth. That's why Jesus could say in John 8 that the truth shall set you free. When I encounter truth, it enables me to get rid of the lies. When I encounter truth, I'm able to align myself to that truth and move forward. Here's the thing. There's an old saying. Knowledge without application is just information. But when you have conviction about things, when I study God's Word and God speaks to me and says you need to align your life to that truth, Jeff, then that gives me a conviction to have. And then conviction needs to move to action. I need to act upon my convictions. And you know what? If you truly have convictions, when you fail to hold your convictions, you recognize it because the other way we look at conviction is the Holy Spirit conviction. And if God has revealed something to you and you have walked in it and you have turned from it, the Holy Spirit won't let you get away with it. The Holy Spirit will say, No! It's Like that Southern Gospel song says you don't live there anymore. Too many people are going and trying to turn the knob on doors to homes they don't live in anymore. You're not that. Such were some of you. What's happened? You've been saved. You've been justified. God has sanctified you. He He has cleansed you. He has been working in you to make you fit for His use. Don't go try to open the door to a place you don't live anymore. Have conviction about living the life that God has given you. Let me ask you as we begin to wrap this up this morning. As a child of God, what are some things that you know God wants you to have conviction about? Are you encountering challenges out here outside these doors as you're trying to live for Jesus and and, and God's saying, I need you to have some conviction about that. I don't need you to fall into that worldly mindset. I don't need you to follow that cultural pattern. I I need you to stay with me. I need you... To focus on me i need you to walk in my truth in this area certainly christ wants us to walk in truth in all areas but i am i am very understanding that people are anywhere from from in in this congregation this morning there are people here who are spiritually dead there are people sitting out there who do not yet know jesus christ our lord and savior there are folks who are who are babies they've just been born into the family of god they've not been saved that long they've not grown that much and Listen, some folks are babies because they never grew. And that's not always all their fault. Not that they didn't take the initiative, but maybe nobody invested in them. It's our responsibility as believers to walk with each other and to see people grow to full maturity. There's, there's toddlers. There's, there's children. There's young adults. There's some spiritual parents in this room. They're, and some of these spiritual parents in this room haven't been saved all that long, but they're already birthing other people as disciples. And folks, that makes them spiritually mature. If they're duplicating and replicating themselves into the world as disciples, that makes them spiritually mature. Does that mean they always act mature? No, I don't always always act mature. Ask my wife. I mean, I can be quite goofy, and I I can, I can, I can get upset sometimes. I know y'all don't believe that, but I can get upset sometimes. And I have to. I have to. Tell my mouth that it can't say everything my brain thinks. Hello? Are you following me? That's something I've got to have conviction about. So what are some things in your life today that are affecting your commitment to Christ? I'm going to tell you something. If there's anything in your life that's affecting your commitment to Christ, you need to let it go today. You need to put it down. You need to lay it down at the foot of the cross and give it to Jesus. Today, if you don't know Christ, you can't even begin to start to do what I'm talking about because the first conviction you've got to have is Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead so you can have eternal life. He is the only Savior. There is no other. You've got to have that conviction first. But children of God, what conviction do you need to have today about how you're living every day single day of your life. How are you going to respond to that conviction? That's God. If God's dealing with your heart, how are you going to respond to that conviction? And is that conviction that you have right now going to become your conviction? I, 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 God has revealed a truth to me this morning, Brother Jeff, and I am going to live by that when I leave here. I have determined to align my life to that truth. Well, guess what? That conviction just became your conviction.
0: Hey guys, I just wanted to, um, take a quick moment to say that if any of you, um, just feel the conviction of God on your life right now in any way, I want you to call out to him right now in this moment and just receive what he has for you, whether that be salvation or a calling on your life or just maybe something that you've been doing that's um, not in line with what God has for you that you would just give it all to him I don't know why I felt led to do this today but I know it's for somebody out there and I just wanted to take a quick minute to just let that sermon sink in and um, so yeah If y'all want to contact us, you can visit us at um, Facebook. I will get the link in the description. I'll put the link in the uh, show notes. Sorry. I'll put the link in the show notes where you can message us. um, And yeah, you can visit us in person at 2355 Lonnie Smith Road in Woodbury, Tennessee. Our service times are 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights. You can also fill out the Connect card on our website at visitpleasantview.com. There's also some more information about our church on the website, so go check that out. And yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day.